for Geek Gamer Weekly. Center of the most calculating intelligence on Earth. The Uber Podcast, just for geeks and gamers. We have news for the beautiful people. There's a lot more of us in our view. With your hosts, Joseph Falby. Men wanted to be like him. Women wanted to be with him. John Kessler. He will be talked about in the same way that Rockefeller and Carnegie and, and Ford are talked about. And Chase Nunes. For your information, butthead, he's headed for the video championships in Los Angeles. Now, live from Earth. Everything that happens now is happening now. What happened then? When? Just now. It's Geek Gamer Weekly. This is Geek Gamer Weekly, episode 224, recorded on Sunday, December 16th, 2012. Google, Google, Google. Geek Gamer Weekly is brought to you by Personas, makers of the Studio Live 1602 Performance and Recording Digital Mixer. For more information, please visit Personas.com. Hey everybody, welcome again to another edition of Geek Gamer Weekly. This is the Uber Podcast for Geeks and Gamers. Back with you once again this Sunday evening on December 16th, 2012. Just a few short days before the end of the world as we know it. So, why not do a show and talking about the top geek and gaming stories of the week and some ones that are obscure that you probably have missed uh joining us as always first off here in the studio the beautiful new studios is mr john kessler hey john how are you sir just ducky you're looking good nice shirt by the way yes you kind of look like a lumberjack we had to go plaid things were going fast well (laughs) we've gone to plaid Plaid. now i gotta watch space balls yes good movie Uh but you're looking good over there um as as uh you know, people want to know if your mic's on. You're you're not really talking very loudly. Yeah, there is this better? Well, now now you're now you're no. making love to the mic. Yes. Whatever. Oh yes. Anyway, all right. That's the only words we'll yeah. hear from John this week. Yep. Here. Right. What? Stop! Stop! Oh. Don't there. don't is that don't better? stop it, John. Is that better? Stop wrestling okay. with the microphone. We'll have to turn it into a pay per view. Also joining this week, as always, from the Oregon Bureau of Technology, Gaming Research, and Development. Mr. Joseph Falby. Hey, Joe, how are you? Doing good. Good, man. How is, uh, how is uh, life treating you? How are the cats? Uh, not too bad. They're around here somewhere. They're probably arguing over who's going to get food fed first. But I was going to say, know. did you have to break them up from a fight or something? Uh, I'm not sure. They're, uh, like I said, this is about the time when they expect to be fed, and they're not going to get fed for a little while, so uh, they'll just have to suffer. Uh, fair enough. Wearing the Minecraft hat uh, in support yep. of Minecraft me, probably. And, and Minecraft in general, but yeah, Minecraft me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> this week, we have a very special guest. Now, as some of you may know, we uh, are simulcasted on the GFQ network, guys from Queens at gfqlive.tv. But not only we're on there, but it's also head up by a, a very famous guy. You, you may have heard about him on Windows Weekly as the slut to Paul Thorat. Here he is, folks. Mr. Andrew Zarian. <laughs> What's up, buddy? Oh, you caught me. Yes, I caught you, you slut. Uh, oh, my beautiful sweet nectar wine. How you doing, guys? Good, buddy. How are you, man? Appa- 
I'm good. Apparently, I'm a slut, according to Mr. Leo Laporte. But that's fine. Coming from him, listen, he could call me whatever he wants. Well, now that you're famous, we know we have to have sluts on the show. I mean, at least one a week. So, uh, you know, Leo one. claims to be the uh, the the, the podcasting. Uh, uh, what is he? He's the president of the internet. He's the podcast creator of podcasting. I am the first slut of podcasting. Wait a minute. I thought. I thought Mr. Uh, Adam Curry was the the father of podcasting. I don't know. I th- who knows? I, I swear. But you're staying up late, and at the same time, you're drinking the nectar of the gods and watching some wrestling. I, you know, this is going to be an interesting show for me. I'm, I'm having this is my second glass of wine. Uh, I may or may not have taken some sort of sedative 20 minutes ago. Right. And I'm watching pro wrestling, and I'm going to be doing a uh, an amazing show today. So oh. we'll, we'll see how well I am doing within the next hour. It's I a- think by by 10:30 I'll be slurring and and cursing at people. <laughs> it's a win, 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 win. But that's nothing different from the other times I've been on the show, right? That's yeah, true. Well, that's I true. mean, you're always drinking something. And what are you drinking this week anyway? I am drinking a cheap wine. And the name of the wine is called Mommy Juice. Ah, nothing mm-hmm. like juice from mommy. No, no. <laughs> Mother's milk. <laughs> and uh, as always, you know, we, we hit the rock bottom of the show within the first five minutes. That's our goal to bring to you, you guys out there. So we have a great show lined up. We got some Google bashing. I don't know if you want to call it Google bashing, but we'll we'll lead off with I, I don't know if you want to call it the top story, but it's a story nevertheless. Google has announced that they are going to be phasing out active sync push email for free customers. Now I know this sounds a little high technical and a little weird. I, I, I don't understand it because I don't know anything about the internets. So I'm gonna have Joseph Falby break it down for us in layman's terms for you peeps out there. Joe what is the deal here? What's going on? So, so there's actually two parts to this story. The first part, and I and I added the second part late, so that's why we we haven't talked about it yet. But but the um, so what's happening is if you have Google Apps for your account, or if you have Google Apps, or if you, if you use Gmail for your email, just in general, and you use the instructions that are available online to set it up for push email on your iPhone or your Android device okay. using exchange active sync settings so okay. you tell you tell it that the google server is actually an exchange server and you go through and do all those settings um that's going to stop working at the end of january and basically that means you still will be able to get it but on iphones at least you won't be able to get push email and on older androids you definitely won't be able to get push email from google unless you pony up the money to buy a corporate account and that's and that and that's costly for an individual user. An individual user yeah. wouldn't be doing that. Yeah, it's about fifty bucks a year normally. Uh, if you have Google Apps for your domain, uh, that's five dollars per account per year. And even then, I'm not sure if it enables this or not. And you have to have your dom- your own domain name anyway. Uh, the other part of this that that I added kind of late was Google is actually getting rid of Google Apps for your domain for free. Well, this is something that they announced before where they were going to start phasing that out. First, it was like 50 users, and then they went down to 10 users, and now they're just getting rid of it completely. Now they're, they're, yeah. they're completely getting rid of it, and you can't sign up a new account. And uh, if, you're, if you have one, you'll be grandfathered in, but they really want everyone to move to business, which is, again, $5 per email address or per account per month. I mean, that, that's a little pricey for any small business that, that just uses a domain or any just individual that has a domain and they use their domain as their email source and they've been using Google Apps. But um, I, I could have swore I heard that you could still get up to 10, uh, 10 accounts. 
Well, no, I if, you're, wrong, if yeah. you're bringing your own domain to Google, uh, as of as of now, at least uh, according to what I what I've uh, found, you can't sign up a free account anymore. You have to sign up Google Apps for Business. Okay. So, so has Google come out with an explanation on this on why they're doing this? Is this a purely a money making measure where well, well, they're Google short? says oh, Google geez. says all these things will allow them to focus on better business practices and better. Uh, make better support and all this other kind of stuff for their customers, and in the end, it'll be better for everyone. So they want more money, is what they're. That's what uh, right, I hear. Right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what that marketing speak means. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's. I don't know. It's real. I think it's really annoying because it used to be Google Apps for free was the go-to solution for somebody who had their own domain name and wanted email on that. And you know, even if you didn't want more than that, if you just wanted the email on it, it was such a great way to do it. And now, in order to do that, you have to be sending a chunk of change Google's way every month. So what does this mean for for users who use this service now? Like, when I set up my phone, I use the Exchange you know, yeah. functionality. I followed their instructions to the T. What does this mean now for me? What does this mean for users who want to continue receiving push email? Do they have to use the Gmail app? I mean, yeah, well, what are the solutions here? You don't have to use here? the Gmail app, but... Uh, at the at the end of January, January thirtieth is the cutoff date. The those accounts that you have that use that ActiveSync tech, it's actually a, a something called Mappy M A P I, um, will stop working, and you'll have to transition over to what's called IMAP. Now Google says no, no, no. We support push email with IMAP, but it's this this IMAP IDLE push feature, which is uh, fairly unsupported by anyone outside of Google. So while Android phones will still get push email from Google services, no big surprise there. Yeah. Anybody else, Windows phone, iPhone, anybody else who doesn't support this this idle um, protocol won't be able to get push email from Google anymore. They'll be stuck with with pulling email, you know, at, at, at intervals, which is where we were back in the '90s. I don't know why we're you know why we're going back that far, but this makes um, me wonder: is this is uh, Andrew? What do you think? I mean, do you think this is Google trying to push their protocols and their services now to try to? I don't know. Adjust the way we do things. I mean, I, I think I think this is the start of a new Google. Um, I think 2013 will be a a, a totally different Google than we we were used to. We saw them kill off a bunch of services this year. Um, they're killing off a lot of services and they're stopping support for a lot of things that they've been doing some free support for. Right. And I think this is their way of entering into the enterprise market with premium services that you know you pay for. All right. So. This this leads me into my second story that is still Google related, and we kind of called it in a way. I'm not going to go back and look through the archives, but Google Maps is now finally out for iOS. It's out on the iPhone, and there this is free, and it also includes transit. It also includes traffic, and it also includes here's the big kicker: turn by turn directions. So here is Google taking away. Something that you know we take for granted, push email through Gmail onto our iPhones, and they're taking away these ways of doing things. And now they released Google Maps, which is, in my opinion, much better than iOS 6 Maps. Now, Joe, you're running on iOS 6, so I'm going to ask you first. You've probably downloaded Google Maps. Yep. What, what, do you, what do you think of it? I don't know. It looks like Google Maps. Um, it, I Have guess you used the, navigation? Uh, I, I did use it just to just to try it uh, the other day, and um, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, they do. Um, there's. I don't know. Um, it's it's. 
Google Maps. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I would say Google Maps is, is it, it's reached a point where I don't think it does anything ex- spectacularly well. It does everything reasonably well. So in terms of navigation, it, it had a pretty it, it gave me a pretty good route, um, but it's the same route that I got from Waze and from Apple. Um, and it wasn't you know I wasn't like just gr- driving across town. This is a, a decent trip that I, I actually tried it on. And um, the street view, you know, it gave me street view at my destination. All I got was a picture of a car window. Nice. Um, so the street <laughs> view was really useful. And uh, granted, that's probably just that location. I'm sure it works better in other places, but yeah, you know, um, that sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, it does say that that it's a. Uh, I, I do think the interface on it is better than it was than the map Maps app was before when when the Maps app had Google Maps inside of it. I think the maps themselves. Act, and I, I don't know how to quantify this, but I think Apple's maps are prettier. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just think they look better. The colors seem to be a better fit, that sort of thing. I don't know. Um, it's it's not. I would say it's it's good. It's it's not. It's certainly not bad. And for people who are missing some of the features, like like um, uh, the uh, uh, the transit stuff, that sort of thing, and didn't ha- weren't in a city where they had an alternative. Um, Portland has a bunch of alternative apps that support the transit system here. Um, I could see why that would be really really valuable to them, and, and why they would really want that. But for me, I can't get across the idea of, of hitting my Siri button and just saying "drive me home" or you know "give me directions to so and so" or you know some address in my address book or that sort of thing, and having it just do it. Right. Um, for me, that convenience factor is is worth it uh, to go there. And again, I never you know I know a lot of people make jokes about having all these problems with Google, with Apple Maps getting them lost in different places. I've never run into that problem. Uh, of course, I guess I'm a little more accepting of that because I did use Waze for a long time, and it was notorious for giving you ridiculous routes. Yeah, it would take you um, weird places for sure. But uh, but you know what? Actually, probably Waze has done the best thing recently, at, at least in routing. I think it's done the best in terms of doing adaptive routes. So as the conditions change, it's it's actually given me different routes and said, I can save you 10 minutes if you turn right here instead. Well, that's, that sort of thing. that's one of the beauty things about Waze. It's the whole crowdsourcing aspect. Yeah. Of, Which no nobody of, else really has. At no this one point. has at this point, yeah. and you're able to flag police and cameras and other things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Andrew? I mean, uh, Google Maps now on the iPhone. Uh, some people are even saying that's even better than Maps on Android. Uh, what What do you think about it? You know, the whole wasn't the big fuss part of the big fuss. Uh, it had to do with the fact that Google did not want to give Apple turn by turn navigation. Right. Yes. And now we're seeing it on Google Maps for iOS. So it's interesting, and I'm curious to see how the adaption rate is going to go. Are iOS users going to use the Google Maps service, or are they going to continue using Apple Maps and kind of cultivate the service and make it better? I personally love Google Maps. Um, I don't use a turn-by-turn navigation because I have navigation in my car, but I can see how important it is. There's been a couple times where I was looking for an address in, in midtown Manhattan, and I kept walking around. I couldn't find it. I took Google Maps out, and I did the turn-by-turn, turn and I got to the place. So I can see how it's that ha- it's handy when you need it. But I-, I find that an interesting part of this. I didn't expect them to release turn-by-turn, turn and-, and they did. I don't know if that's like an F you to Apple. Like, hey, we didn't <laughs> want to give it to you, but here it is now since you're competing with us. Well, you know, you have to remember Nokia has done their own Maps thing too. And and this this is... You know, they 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 looked at Google and said, "No, nope, screw that," and did their own maps thing. So now we basically have, depending on the platform you're on, you have as many as four different choices for maps. 
you know, you can have Apple's maps, you can have Google's maps, you can have Bing maps, or you can even have Nokia maps. And I've actually seen Nokia's maps showing up in a few different websites now. So it's it's interesting. I I don't know why. I, I'm with you there. I'm not sure why they added the navigation to it. I, I guess I know they, they should have, and I think people would have been really pissed at that. I, I think they had to because in order to compete with Apple, to yeah. compete with it's all the... Up. It, well, well and, it's and not so just maybe, one up. It's just to be on the equal playing field. That's yeah, all. And so maybe part of the Apple's move to do their own maps thing was also a, uh, a you know a middle finger, so to speak, to Google <laughs> saying, "Look, if you guys aren't going to do it, we're just going to do it ourselves, and you guys can go all you know eat herds. We don't care." Well, you know that <laughs> um, relationship between Google and Apple has been falling apart for a long time. I mean, uh, that that's the interesting thing. We've seen Apple adapt less and less Google services since Android came along. And I think this is just a natural progression of things. I think everybody wants their own proprietary services to go with their their you know environment, their ecosystem. Let's move on, shall we? Next, our our, our final Google story. I'm going to get the three Google stories off off the top here, out of the way, so we don't have to talk about them again. Now, uh, Google, in order to appease uh, copyright holders, you know, television networks books, you name it, anything that deals with copyright, they released a tool back in May that allows those said parties to go online and request to have something taken down from the Google search index to be removed. And this this is an incredible number to think about. They get 2.5 million copyright removal requests a week. Two and a half million a week. This is up from a quarter of a million a week in May. Now, part of me is just like, I understand, you know, about protecting copyright, but would you guys call this an abuse? I mean, I mean, Google is saying that most of these are legitimate. Now, we talked about this on the show where people could wrongly use the takedown tool to say, hey, I'm going to try to take down everything of Andrew Zarian's uh, and say that he's copywriting my stuff just to try to get him delisted off of Google and the Google juice and all that. Uh, but according to Google, everyone's using this you know, legitimately. I, don't, I think the best think, example of, of, of this being abused is, remember the, um, the Curiosity Landing? Yeah. Oh, God. Where someone, yeah. someone posted that NASA's own footage that was broke Fox. their copyright. I think Fox did that. Uh, I don't remember who it was. But yeah. anyway, NASA. not only did NASA's video on, on YouTube get taken down, but so did anybody who simulcasted that, including yours, including ours. Yeah. yeah. And um, it, it's just preposterous. I mean... It's footage from space. It's NASA. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, I, the, the idea that, that you know, oh, 97.5% of these things are legitimate, which is what they say in the article, that's, that's got to be preposterous. And, and it may be because, you know, 90% of those 97.5s aren't bothering to, to pursue it, are saying, screw it, Google's against me, there's nothing I can do about it, and are just going to leave it and let it go down. Well, I mean, but, let, let's talk about fair use, right? Uh, how does Google know and how do they define fair use? Is it an algorithm that's finding the problems yeah, with uh, you know, the video? So yeah. if it's an algorithm, how does an algorithm determine what's fair use and what's not? I think this is a very flawed system that these companies have. We saw Ustream, for example, 
didn't they pull down something with the president? Yeah, yeah, because because uh, of their automated thing. Uh, yeah, during the uh, I believe it was the convention, yeah. they flagged the Democratic National Convention as copyright infringement because they played a song or they played a video that their algorithm picked up as you know copywritten content. We saw it happen to an award show on Ustream too. So we're seeing this happen. I don't think the system is perfect. It's far from perfect. The only way to determine if something is truly copywritten content is if someone is manually monitoring the feeds and content and saying, okay, this is obviously blatantly someone's airing you know, uh, a movie, and this is just Chase talking about something and they're putting up a clip. My concern here is when you have Google playing cop, uh, copyright cop, and 2.5 million takedown requests a week equates to a robot making a decision based upon volume. So if you have multiple people making a takedown request or if they have their own bot army of computers to put in takedown requests, I don't even know why, in my opinion, Google's even getting involved in this. I mean, is this a must be a legal issue, I guess. I mean, if a copyright person, a copyright holder has an issue, why aren't they going after the infringing site directly instead of having Google... Take them out of the the phone directory. Essentially, well, part of, the, is what part of the, the 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 reason for this is Google is based in the U.S. and someone breaking the copyright law may be outside of the U.S. So the company that feels they've been wronged may not be able to go after, as an example, Pirate Bay. Right. They can't go after Pirate Bay because Pirate Bay is in Sweden, and, and they have notoriously shot down almost every legal challenge against. Oh, them. they've they've blatantly put letters yeah. up about it, and yeah. uh, and. And so there's no way to realistically for a U.S. company to fight them. So the next best thing is to go to Google and, and, and cry to mommy Google and say, hey, those guys are stealing my content and putting up links for it. Stop linking to them. So, you know, is it, is it Google really wanting to do that or are they just getting stuck in the position of, you know, getting strong-armed into, into everything? Going, well, we could always just force Google to do this and, and stop it right there. Well, it's Google's responsibility, John. You see, you don't understand. Let me talk to you for a minute. It's Google's responsibility – as a patron to the internet, to be more caring about what's happening. Because remember, Google does no evil here. John? 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 Oh, well, I'm sorry. I, I fell asleep there. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I was doing some Google marketing speak. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm, it just, I, I felt, I, sorry. Never I'm, I'm awake now. All right, fair okay. enough. I think John's mic is off, by the way. No, it's, it's on. Every, it. yeah. I'm, not, I'm not hearing anything. Very low. Oh, well, maybe you don't hear John because I... Oh, that's why. <laughs> I don't have John up on the mix minus for you. Now it's oh. fixed. Oh, my God. Thank God. Oh, there you go. Oh, I'm glad I fixed the mic problem. Yeah, there you go. Well, everybody heard him. You just couldn't hear him. That's oh, people no, in the they can't hear, hear him either. Who cares? Yeah, you know, anyway, you yeah. know what's interesting uh, about this? And, and let, uh, Technically, if you go by what Google flags on YouTube, right, how they flag copywritten content, every news... Every, every news uh, channel, every news broadcast that airs any kind of video is in violation of YouTube's copyright con- copywritten content. Yeah. How are they getting past it? So if, if I'm MSNBC and I'm playing a clip, how, how are they not flagging them? I, they are able well, to kind of cancel the, that for fair channel. Use, fair use rules are different for companies that are broadcasting versus companies that are uh, online only or not broadcasting. Right? That was that big well, discussion I, about internet radio. Is if you're a radio station that's broadcasting over the air, you can fair use says you can play any song you want. But if you're broadcasting over the internet, 
there's a question of if that's legal or not. Well, doesn't fair use also allow us? I mean, we're technically allowed to replay a, a portion of a video or movie if we're commenting on it. Yeah. We, yeah, we yeah. fall and, under fair use. Yeah, but what happens Theoretically, is... Theoretically, but the question is how, how... I mean, the issue becomes if somebody issues a takedown notice and, and YouTube or somebody doesn't back down right away, then how, yeah. many, how many thousands or tens of thousands of dollars in attorney fees are you willing to spend to force enforce the fair use rules that you have? Or the worst thing that happens is when you have a small, independent internet broadcaster like me who decides, hey, we're going to take time out of our evening and we're going to broadcast the NASA lander, the Mars lander, and then we get a takedown notice on YouTube from a, from a major company. We're trying to you know, be independent and jump to the forefront, but we're so small and so minuscule that I go ahead and I file that counter appeal. Uh, it doesn't matter because it, you know, it doesn't get looked at for another 25 to 30 days and then finally gets lifted at the end of those 30 days. Yeah, I've appealed, I've appealed a anyway. whole bunch yeah. of them. Yeah. I've appealed a whole lot of these, and I've won everyone except for one video. And the one video that I lost, it was a video I made with iMovie with the stock iMovie yep. sound effects and yep. sound clips. Yep. It was a video of me going in the snow two years ago. I remember. And it got flagged two and a half years after I made the video. And I fought it, and they go, no, sorry. This guy, the, I didn't win the appeal. And I was banned, I think, in Germany. <laughs> Well, who, so, who I mean, flagged it just shows do, do they you. Even, do they even tell you who, what company it is that flagged it? Yeah, I can't remember. It's one. Co- I think it's like uh, something fish, Rumble Fish. But it wasn't Apple who theoretically bought the original licensing and stuff like that for the audio. No, no, no. It was it was a company called Rumble Fish, and Rumble Fish a couple months ago, uh, a couple years ago, about a year and a half ago, was flagging everything. And I think they calmed down on this. I think something happened with them. There was some story, but. Uh, and I'm thinking, I'm like, this is a family video. I mean, think about how many people use these clips that come for free. I'm not putting an ad on this. I'm not making a profit out of it. It's a free application with free sound clips. Yeah. And they're flagging it. Well, it seems so like I'm maybe the there should be a, a penalty for people who falsely flag. It's actually, isn't that even part of the system? Is there's that is, there's supposed is. to be a penalty for people who falsely flag. Yeah. But it's see, just never enforced. It's never enforced. And, and the thing is, this is most of these systems are completely automated. And what happens is they have 30 days to decide whether or not they want to uh, uh, approve or deny the appeal that you put in. They wait until the very last day whether to uh, approve it or deny it. And I think uh, we kind of walked on what you said to Joe. Because, but what happens is at the end of those 30 days, that news isn't even relevant anymore. You've already missed out on all those potential views and revenue. I mean, the, the system is completely broken, and it's, and it's favoring the big guys. It's well, it always seemed, favoring it the big guys. It seems like then the solution here is uh, we should post a video, have it be a legitimate video, have it get a takedown notice, okay? Then... After the 30 days goes by and the takedown notice is, is lifted, right, because it's, it's a, you know, nothing wrong with it, not breaking copyright, we sue the company that issued the takedown notice for lost monies because that would have been a billion-view video and made, you know, uh, how much did we say uh, last week? We said um, Cy made on that video $1.7 million on YouTube views. Yeah, yeah. We sue them for that much. It, it we'll give the lawyers like 20%. I mean, you know, whatever. But you, you sue them for that much. Then you get that money back. Even if it never went viral, it probably would have. Can you find right? a lawyer that would take that case up, though? That's the problem. I have I have uh, prepaid legal. I'm sure they'd do something. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, for those of you guys out there who have watched uh, and continue watching broadcast television, cable, sal- satellite, or e- even antenna, uh, a new rule has gone into effect that you may have may have not noticed, and that is now if you're watching television and uh, the volume, you've probably noticed this in the past. You're watching your news, and then all of a sudden they go to commercial, and the commercial is just just blaring. It's super super loud. Well, there was no regulation saying how high that volume level could be for commercials. So commercials would intentionally make the volume level louder than the programming to get your attention. Well, now that cannot happen anymore. Uh, The FCC has enacted a ban on loud television ads. So uh, basically, if you do notice that some commercials are still doing this, you can report them to the FCC and nothing will happen. Yep. Um, <laughs> It'll be just like all those companies who call you, even though you put your name on your or your phone number on the do not call list. That's right. Well, because there's always exceptions to the do not call list that they always find loopholes, and some of them just don't care. Yeah, well, the big loophole is you have to know the business name, and the instant you say, I'm on the do not call list, they hang up. Yes. Uh, now, this is, you know, some, some broadcasters have been granted an extension, so depending on where you live, uh, if you're in a smaller television market, uh, it may not have reached you yet because they have to in, in, initiate some technology to make this happen to make sure all the volume is normalized. Have you noticed this issue before, Andrew? I, I know you don't watch much TV probably. It's m- mostly all Internet. But uh, have you noticed no, this I, issue? It's actually funny. I Somebody asked me the other day how much TV I've been watching, and the last time I turned my TV on was probably two weeks ago. Uh, but no, I know it's a, it's a major problem uh, with the networks. You know, you're watching something, and all of a sudden, for the commercial, it's like twice the level of the of the the, the TV show. And obviously, they do it to get your interest. And I think uh, it, it's great that they they kind of turn that off. You know, the FCC kind of said, "Listen, you can't do that." Yeah, I'm I'm actually okay with this. I'm just because of the fact I I have a surround sound system, and I hate having to mess around with the volume when I'm watching television or the ball game or whatever. When the commercials come on, they're blaring. I just, ugh, this is just atrocious. So I'm very happy about it. But I wonder, I mean, subliminally, I wonder how much that helps them sell a product. Uh, I th- Well, I mean, if someone doesn't have a DVR, I think it, it helps because, you know, it's trying to get your attention. Even if you're not realizing it, you're reaching for the remote because you're paying attention to what's happening on the television. So they're getting your attention. Whether or not you're paying attention to the actual content of the commercial is a different question but they're just trying to get your attention to say hey look at me yeah because i i'm loud and i have a hot girl on the tv or whatever sure yeah all right so that's it for our geek news this week and now let's uh, jump into some gaming news uh we don't have any article or anything to show on this one but joe uh the guys over there at valve they're working on something and we've talked about this in the past and now it's, we've got a little bit more information about it. Well, the rumor's been going around for a while, uh, at least, I think at least a year now. And uh, the rumor was that, that Valve was working on their own uh, home gaming console, like living room PC type console. Right. And it would be basically a Steam, Steam console. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to call it either. Maybe they'll call it um, Pushrod. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's to do with Valve's. And, anyway. Uh, so they're, uh, they are actually developing this thing. Uh, there was an interview with Gabe Newell on the, uh, the red carpet at the Video Game Awards a, a week or two ago, whenever it was. And um, he did confirm that they are working on one, they're going to build one, and they're going to sell it and try to compete with um, Sony and Microsoft. And I've heard a rumor since then that this may be coming faster than we expect. Like, 
quarter one or two next year even. Wow. Um, of course, that is a totally unfounded rumor and isn't confirmed by anybody. But um, that was a rumor that I remember But you reading. heard it here first. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was a rumor I, uh, rumor I remember reading about. So it, it sounds really cool. I know a few people have, comp- have, have said, well, if it's going to be a PC, as long as it has upgradable parts, I'll be all for it. It's like, no, no, no. It needs to hit a price point, which means it's not going to have upgraded parts. The important thing for me is that it has keyboard and mouse control. That's really what it comes down to. So is this console meant to take the place of a home theater PC in a way where you can play PC-based Steam games in the living room? Is that their ultimate goal here? I, I think so. Uh, the big question I have about it is if it's going to run Windows or, or Linux OS. Because, remember, with Steam having just been released for Linux, it would make a lot of sense for them to push that direction. THQ has uh, did a, a, one of the guys at THQ did a, a tweet where he said if there's enough demand for it, they could theoretically be releasing their games on Linux. Um, and uh, with Steam, with big picture mode, uh, there's uh, you know a good user interface for a big screen TV. So it could be a end-all, be-all, one-stop home theater PC, uh, which would be really cool. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's, this thing is, has only been just confirmed. It's uh, we, had, we don't have any idea what it's going to look like. We don't have any idea what the hardware specs on. We have no idea what kind of OS it's going to run. You know, there's still way more questions than there are answers. All we know is it's going to happen in and ob- Valve time. And obviously, they want to make it a, a solid price point for the average consumer to play advanced graphic yeah. games in the living room. Now, well, they, they have to bring it in in a similar price point to where Xbox and uh, where the next-gen Xbox and PS3 are going are gonna to be, which is going to gonna compete. be... I'm going to say probably in the $500 range. Um, I don't just know. Realistically I, I, would, I, would, I think they're going to go cheaper. I don't how, know how, how cheap they can go. could they go, though, Andrew? Well, and here, here's my point with this. I, I think the market has totally changed for consoles. Let's talk about the console market. It's totally changed since... The, the release of the Xbox 360 and the PlayStation 3. Uh, these $500 boxes, it, it's harder to convince someone to get it now and put it in their living room. Now, I think the price point is going to be a little bit cheaper than that, possibly $299 for a price point. But if they're going to be entering this market, I don't see them putting Windows on this box uh, because they're going to have to spend even more money for the licensing and who knows if Microsoft wants to license Windows for this console, con- considering it's competing with them in the Xbox Wait, market. Windows so, A would work great in the living room. What are you guys talking about? I mean, the tile interface, and you can use the Kinect camera, and you could touch the tiles. I think it would sure, be great. Sure, sure. But I don't, see, I don't see them actually having that interface. They want their own interface on That's this That's true. Thing. That's right. They want, it, they want it to be identifiable with their brand, and I can't see them you know, just running Windows, and here's an app on this thing. Now, John, yeah, that's and that's a big part of what the big picture mode is. If you if you have Steam, you can give it a try and get an idea of what it'll feel like, what it'll look like. But that's mostly what big picture mode is going to be about. John Kessler, you've been really quiet. You've been chatting with the people in the chat room, uh-huh. but uh, you know you have a home theater PC. Yes, would something like this from Steam actually appeal to you? <sighs> like Joe said, you know, if you had mouse keyboard support, you know, it would have to have that. Um, I'm just not a controller guy. Um, it, it would be interesting if they're going to put a, any kind of a optical drive in it. Well, I, I would say no, probably, no, probably not. not. No. Uh, you know, There'd I was thinking no not, but um, as far as an all, if if they tried using it as a home theater, P, you know, a H, you know, a media center type deal, it would have to have a drive though. 
to why? some degree. Well, why? Why? Why like is a Blu-ray it, drive? You're saying a Blu-ray? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, okay, yeah, I maybe, mean, but but a lot more people are getting their media online now. Think about, uh, yeah. you know, access through uh, Google's Play, Apple TV, um, Netflix, Hulu, uh, all the different media, you know, media, many, many, many yeah. different streaming solutions. And if you're already buying a Steam box, you probably already have a decent internet connection. Yeah, but why? I mean, does does the Blu-ray player not make a PlayStation Three attractive? People not not anymore. One. I don't think. I the uh, last I think, time I've, I've I watched Blu-ray off my PS3 has been over a year. Well, yeah. I think initially that was a big selling point, and I think you know there was a there was a story that came out a couple of weeks ago for Black Friday. They sold a half a million PlayStation threes, and I attribute that exclusively to the fact that they they have a Blu-ray player in that yeah. device. As far as gaming goes, you know it's it's a transitional time period for us because many people still need an optical drive to play games. Yeah. They don't have the bandwidth to to do, you know, online streaming of the games. They don't have the bandwidth or they no. don't want to sit there and wait and download a two gig game or a one gig game. So yeah. it's this weird transition period that we're in until the, the broadband speeds catch up. But I, I think it's great to have the option for this. And yeah. Microsoft is obviously going to have uh, different levels of their next generation Xbox. I think one is going to be a media center type device with, with you know, no optical drive and everything is uh, Xbox Live. Uh, all yeah. your gaming experience is going to be on the Xbox Live. But I also think they need to provide an optical drive they in can't, order to catch the mainstream. Yeah, they can't take away optical media as much as they, they would love to and also as much as publishers and developers would love to because... What does that take away? It takes away the resale market. It takes away the rental market. It takes away uh, piracy. And so they would love to take that away, make it streaming only and download only. But the problem is, is high-speed internet. On top of the fact that, let's say you even have high-speed internet, you could be in a Comcast territory or an area where there's a cap on you. Uh, So you're right. It's a transitional time. I don't see them getting rid of optical media, and, and but by the way, most people aren't aware of these caps and these problems that they're that they have with their ISPs. No. And you know what? If if they're downloading, imagine if you're downloading four games a, a month, for example, and they're they're two gigs each. I mean, those are those are hefty sized games. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand how these work. Some people have you know four G hotspots in their house, and that's what they're using for their internet. Here's another scenario, uh, and I got an email about this a couple of weeks ago. Somebody brought up the fact that. Let's say they go to an, a non-optical, internet-based device for the next-generation Xbox. And a lot of people have these the, the consoles in their living room or they have it in their basement, which is their gaming room. And, and their routers are maybe two floors away or, or a floor away. What is your experience going to be like if you're on Wi-Fi connection and your connection is not that great? You're screwed. A lot of people, what are they going to do? They're not going to run 100-foot cables across the house, so they still have to offer the optical drive. Yeah. I, I don't see that going away uh, for a while. Well, what, but, what, what I've talked about before and I, and I, and I see happening is they're gonna, they could go away from optical media and they go to, uh, you know, like this right here, a, a, a USB thumb drive, okay? And these are getting really, really cheap. And you can make it where when you plug this into a console, you're basically marrying this this little thumb drive to the console. It it, it will in, uh, write encrypt code, it. encrypt it back to the thumbstick, so it's married to that console. So you can't resell it, you can't get rid of it. And these, the capacity of these now are incredible. Yep. 
Um, and well, the, but the, the again, costs I, have come I, down I, so much on them. Well, the costs has come down for small ones. You know, uh, 16 gigs, you know, maybe 32 gigs are down to 10 bucks or so for a really slow one. Um, for a decent one, you know, at 128 gig or bigger, you're talking about a lot of money still. Yeah. Especially when you compare it to a Blu-ray disc, which when you're mass producing them are what? A half a cent? Yeah. You know, I mean, if they're already talking about, well, games are 70 bucks and they're not making enough money on them. Which, whether you believe that or not, that's your own problem. <laughs> that's a whole um, other story. Yes. Uh, you know, half a, uh, changing the price for the media to not just distribution, just the media, changing the price from half a cent or, or, or a couple cents to 10 bucks, five bucks. Well, what's a 32 gig stick going for now? I don't know. You, you, five, you, 10 uh, bucks? Uh, probably uh, on the retail. I mean, channel, 3DS, maybe. 3DS, uh, and Vita, they use sticks. I mean,. What's they do, but they don't use anywhere near as big. Do we know what 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 size they use? Do we know? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, could say. You know but, what I do see happening if if let's say an Xbox or PlayStation goes to a SD kind of slot type device uh, for as far as their media consumption goes, I could see them ha- starting a whole new uh, you know war like we saw with the HD DVD and the Blu-ray. With these, you know, proprietary oh, another SD medium. drives, another medium, another, yeah. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to be, they're going to, they're going to see that this is going to be successful on their platform. They're going to start releasing movies on this, DRM movies on these little flash drives, and they're going to say, you know, buy Batman on the blah 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 platform. I mean, you've and, se- and now it's going to start all over again. Well, you, you've seen it happen in the past. You're right. I mean, you saw it with Dreamcast, where they came out with those gigabyte ROM discs. They came out with their own proprietary format. Um, and then you had uh, GameCube with their small little mini CD. Uh, D- I don't know what, what you want to call them, small mini discs, I guess. Uh, then you had the Sony PSP with their, their PSP discs. Uh, so it, it, it could, it's possible uh, I mean, the only thing is you would have to get a, a medium that's better than 50 gigs than what you can get on a dual-layered Blu-ray, right? That's You would have to have to come up with something that's better formatted and cheap uh, because are we going to see Blu-ray on a future Microsoft console after HD DVD failed? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And, well, they, they're not going to put another console out with a DVD player in it. Yeah. And I we, mean, yeah, yeah. So I think we're leaning towards the right direction. Um, and I love how we got off on this tangent. I mean, yeah. obviously, to bring it back full circle here, Steam and Valve, they're going to put pressure. They're going to, which is kind of well, nice to see. I, I, I guess. Think talk, going back to the Steam console, they don't need an optical drive. Valve has a digital, di- very good digital distribution system, and the people who are going to be buying it are not the average, so to speak, console gamer. I think we're going to see more people who are coming from PC market who are who would be buying this rather than console gamers moving to this. Yeah. I guess we'll, well see some, but we're not going to see low end. You know, we're not going to see people who buy only buy sports games for their Xbox or yeah. only buy a specific kind of game for their PlayStation. We're going to see people who want to move to PCs but either don't have the money or don't think they have the experience or, or the skill to move to that to that platform. Well, you know, I, I think a case in point would be my my friend the other week had called me and said, "Hey, you know." His, D- his his regular normal DVD player just died in the house. He's got a huge DVD collection. Um, it was at, you know quizzing me about uh, building the home theater PC. Um, you know because he, he he very you know a little bit of gaming he's done uh, mostly PC FPS stuff, 
I just flat out told him, you know, just go buy a PlayStation 3. You know, you want something that, you know, that's going to be able to play DVDs for you or Blu-ray. You know, it's going to you know, branch out into some Blu-ray stuff. Um, you want you want to be able to go online, you know, you know, use a web browser, um, look at Netflix and... and web know, browser you know, on the you know, PS3, by the way, is awful. Okay, well... Just yeah. saying. But I mean, he, he's got a laptop sitting there if he wants to okay. really look at that. Right. But, but, you know, know, but on the flip side, though, if, if the... Uh, Valve's, you know, boxes out there, and, and you know, it comes to, you know, with like in his case, it'd be a, a call. It's like, what's got, you know, more features? You know, sure, he could go online and play games and stuff, um, but, you know, is it going to help him with his issue with, you know, does he go out and buy another DVD player, or does he just buy a PlayStation 3? You know, he wasn't really locked into Valve's, you know, catalog. Right. You know, he doesn't really have anything there. Um, so, you know, he was, you know, it didn't matter which what direction it would go, but like I said, you know, if they if they had a Blu-ray player and optical drive in there, that would sure, you know, definitely, you know, one one more feature that's uh, in the plus right. for them. Go ahead, Andrew. You know, You're going to say you know, something. Yeah, you know, you know, one interesting market that the consoles have totally missed is the casual gamer, uh, someone like me, where I have I've I used to play a lot of video games. I kind of fell out of it, and now my my. My video gaming consumption device is probably my iPad or uh, my phone. And I think there's a tremendously large market that Valve, that, uh, that Microsoft and Sony could still capture into the console market. Uh, the last game that I bought for my Xbox was Castle Crashers. And Xbox I actually love that type of game. Yeah, it, it's it's a great game. It's easy to play. It's not overly complicated. I I really had a lot of fun playing it. And I think these are the type of games that are going to keep these devices alive in the living room. Because if you look at it, how many Xboxes have been sold over the last couple of years? You're talking about sixty million devices Millions. over the span of sixty million. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I I think it's like seventy million. I think PlayStation is around seventy two million. That's not a huge portion. How many people actually? How many people have downloaded games on their iPads? I'm sure far more than that. Right, but you're also talking about different price points. You're talking about, you know, totally three, different price three points, and four I mean, G. You know. Yeah, but I mean, let's look at it this way. It's not. A, it's not a difficult thing to capture. If you get an Xbox, and I'm saying, you know, you're going to pay two hundred ninety nine dollars for it. Uh, you're going to have access to all these services like Netflix and everything else. Plus, if you're a gamer like me, you could download nine ninety nine games on there. I'm willing to pay $10 for, you know, an easy game, something something that looks nice and it's fun to play rather than me having to think over and over again. Right. I think there's a huge market there and the next the 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 evolution of these consoles are going to be defined by this type of casual gamer, not the hardcore gamer because they're going to buy it anyway. Well, you're seeing that on all platforms and I and I think, you know, Microsoft, they've kind of turned into where They've been really trying to push this lately where you could play a game on your Xbox 360 and then pick it up on your Windows phone and then play it again on your tablet or on your Windows Surface or Windows 8 or whatever. You know, their whole Xbox gaming mantra. Not games for Windows, Joe. I, I want to be very specific. No, they, they, they dropped games for Windows <laughs> yeah. to push this Xbox on Windows thing. Yeah. 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 So it makes it, you know, I agree. And I think there's so many different types of gamers. To try to do a one size fits all approach is very very difficult, and I and I'd be interesting to see what Valve does with their console. I mean, I know this is how our initial conversation got started, 
but I've, they've already gone. They're trying to bridge the gap between the hardcore gamer and the casual gamer by introducing the big picture mode, where it's very, very easy to play games in your living room, and to make it easy for your casual gamer to to chill, kick back, and play on your on your television. Um, to make it as simple as playing on your tablet. To make it as simple as playing in other mediums. So. I cannot wait to see what Valve comes up with. And if the rumor, which are rumors, come true, if they come out quarter one or quarter two, Joe, I'm excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a huge that's head start huge. over the other two. Yeah. Huge. And I and I do have a friend that works over there at Valve. Yeah. I yeah, actually have a couple. Inside info. I, I got a couple, and I'll see if I can pick yeah. their brains about it. We need so. some inside info on this, Chase. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys, it's a, it's about time again for our picks of the week. Now, these are uh, hi, we're highlighting some neat and geeky things that we like. It could be a news story, it could be a piece of hardware, it could be uh, software, it could be a game, it could be an app. Really, it could be anything. It's our individual picks that we like to share with you guys. And I'm going to start first with our guest of honor, Mr. Andrew Zarian. Hey, Andrew. Hey. What's your pick of the week? Uh, well, I was going to do Mommy Juice, white wine. <laughs> but, and, and people didn't believe me. This is the name, Mommy Juice. Mommy and it actually, has, it actually has a very attractive late 30-something uh, juggling a computer, a house, food, and a teddy bear. And that describes my life perfectly. Uh, no, my, my real pick actually kind of it kind of has to go with the last thing that we discussed. It comes full circle, and it's a game for uh, the iOS platform and Android. Okay, and it's cool. Wait, let me just let me find it here. Where's my pick? I lost my pick. Mini Gore Two. Yes, Mini Gore Two. That's it. I just <laughs> wanted. To, I, I was going to say Gore Mini Two. It's called Mini Gore Two. It's a very easy game. Uh, I don't know if you you have it there. It's actually really cool, and it's. I thought it was going to be a much shorter game than it is, but I've been playing it for, I mean, three, four days, and I'm still playing it. So pretty much you're this guy, and you're running around, and you're shooting zombies, and you're killing stuff, and you level up, and you get uh, different guns along the way. It's actually really fun to play. I'm showing a clip of it right now for people who are watching the video. It kind of looks like a Minecraft character in a way. But yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, yeah it kind of does. It, it resemb- The characters resemble Minecraft uh uh, well, they're all the characters, characters all square. Yeah. yeah, they're all square. That's the only different thing. But yeah. there's actually a, a Mini Gore, the original, is nowhere near the level of this game. I, I downloaded the original, and it looks awful, and it's awful to play, so don't even bother getting that. Uh, but Mini Gore 2, a lot of fun. I mean, a lot, a lot of fun, and I absolutely, I've been playing it. I think it was like two ninety nine or dollar ninety nine, something like that. How's the control? Are you using your thumb to move your character and then pointing in the direction? Is it kind of like Smash TV, where you're? How do you how do you shoot? What's the controls like? Well, uh, you could you you know you adjust. You go up, down, left, or right, and you hit. You shoot with your your thumb on your right side. But you set uh, what, the way I've set it. I've set it to auto adjust, so every time an enemy comes close, it shoots at that enemy rather than me having to you know oh, twirl around that's the nice. circle. Yeah, uh, that, and that's what really makes the game easy and fun to play. The original doesn't have that option. Oh, okay. So it's actually the controls are whacked out on that thing. Uh, what, but the graphics look great too. I've been playing on my iPad too, and they're phenomenal. So it looks like it's one ninety nine for the iPad and ninety nine cents for your iPhone. No, that's that's the original uh, Mini Gore. I was wondering oh, okay. that too. Mini Gore Two looks like it's a universal title for ninety nine cents. Wow! <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> and you and you wonder why like big companies like EA <laughs> and 
<laughs> and Activision are worried about these 99 yeah, cent sure. games. And, and, and oh, Chase, man. I mean, if I bought, let's say I bought a game, I went to the store and I bought, uh, since I'm watching wrestling while I'm doing the show, I bought the wrestling uh, you know, title for that year. I'll probably play it for maybe two weeks and I'll put it away. I mean, I get bored really easily from these things. I've been playing this game for over a week now and I'm still playing it. And casual gaming, honestly, is the future of all these consoles. Absolutely. Absolutely. I sit in bed. I mean, I literally, I drink my mommy juice, which I think Joe found the website for the company, and he put it's, it in the chat. It's I a agree. little disturbing. I agree. Yeah. It's very disturbing. <laughs> uh, he found it, which is unbelievable. But I sit in bed, I drink, and I, and I just play it until I fall asleep from my sleeping pills. It's great. I couldn't do that if I was playing Call of Duty. Hey, there's ZQuil now you can use. You don't have to use pills anymore. No, but the pills make it fun. <laughs> awesome pick. That's called Mini Gore 2, uh, two Zombies, uh, and you can get it on the App Store for $0.99 cents on Android and iOS. Uh, awesome pick. Thanks, Andrew. Uh, all right, John Kessler, you're next. Yes. What's yours? Go. My pick of the week is another anime pick. Oh, well. Another site for... I'm, I'm shocked. Getting No, really? Uh, no. Really. It wasn't an Eve pick. I know. Come on now. All right. So uh, for uh, getting your... Getting your fix on for anime. For anime. anime yep. Is uh, people you probably heard of Funimation? They do. Uh, they back a lot of stuff there um, with shows. You can see uh, Funimation does a lot of the stuff that's on Netflix. Joe, you're shaking your head. Have you not heard of Funimation? Nope. Okay. Nope. Okay. Well, Funimation has their own site. Okay. So, so it's you know original content published or you know. So, what's the difference them. between them and Crunchyroll? Um, some of the stuff actually on Crunchyroll is licensed through from Funimation. Oh wow! Okay. So you know it's more going a little more to to the source. Um, there's some stuff that's on Funimation you won't find on Crunchyroll. Now, is it is it one of those things where you have to pay for a subscription, or is it just you know it's a uh, pay per view? You got to buy what you want. Or no, whatever. it's it there. It's a uh, seven bucks a month. There's a subscription. They do have free. Um, unlike Crunchyroll, you can just go to their site and look at some stuff. Um, Funimation does require that you uh, create an account, but you don't have to. It doesn't have to be a paid account. So some of the stuff, you know, once you've paid, you know, join the site, you can view it. Um, but you know, not all content is available to the free accounts. Got it. Okay. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I just found their site last night. Oh wow! So. So it's so good that you brought it up as a pick today. Uh, yep, just throwing it out there for people. Very good. So for more information, people can head over to Funimation. 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 I want to say Funimation. Yep. F-U-N-I-M-A-T-I-O-N.com. Nice pick, Mr. John Kessler with the anime again. Mm-hmm. All right, Joseph. Joe, what's your pick? Of the week, week. So week, uh, week, um, week, we've week, talked week, about these kind of devices before, um, little boxes that you can use to check your power usage and stuff like that in your home. This is a, a little bit different take. This is a project that's up on Indiegogo, which is a little bit like Kickstarter, but um, fairly different. Uh, <laughs> it's um, uh, they're doing a, what they're calling the meter plug, and it's this little plug that you basically plug into your into your outlet, and you plug a device in line to it, and it records your usage, and then you can link to it using your smartphone or your tablet. Um, iOS or Android is what they're saying they'll support. And it will tell you how much power that's used over the last, 
you know, right now, over the last hour, over the last day, over the last week, over the last month, over the last year, as long as you want to have it on there. And uh, it even has some really cool control for uh, vampire. You know, um, people have heard about vampire devices where even though it's turned off, it's still drawing some power. So it has some ways to get around that and uh, save you some money on your power bill, hopefully. But it sounds, it looks really cool. I, I haven't decided if I'm going to back it yet or not, but it, they are going to bring out models for all the different plug standards, USA or, you know, North American plugs, uh, eight, eight, um, the UK plugs and uh, European plugs. They're going to have uh, uh, a lot of different options there. You can use it. Of course, you can use it with a power strip if you want to, that sort of thing. So it's, it sounds really cool. It looks really cool. It looks like they've, uh, they've actually got some pre-production units all built and ready to go. And uh, they're still working on their app development. Uh, they say they're in beta on it right now. But the hardware and software is finished. So I, I think they're hoping. Yeah, they're saying that, that uh, if you were to pledge and, and pick up some of these, and they're available to, for not all that much money, you get them as, as early as April this uh, next year. So uh, for an idea of pricing, uh, if you want one, they um, you can pick up one of them for $45. And then it, it goes down in price the more you get. So you can, for 165, you can get a four pack, uh, you know, a four plug pack. But it's kind of a cool concept. I like this one. I, I sort of like this one because it it lets you see what the most important devices are. So like, if you just wanted to monitor your computer, your home theater, your refrigerator, that sort of thing, you can use this to see those. I would love to have, or if you want to extend that, you know, if you want to go in the future and add more, you can always buy more of these plugs and just plug them into more devices. I've always personally liked the idea of one that monitors at your panel and actually shows every circuit and how much power they're drawing. But uh, older homes, especially where they have a lot of shared circuits, it doesn't make as much sense. This is this is a lot better for, you know, if you just want to check a device or, or several devices independently. Yeah. I so. actually like this a lot because uh, a couple of years ago, I we uh, we at the house tried to figure out what's using up a lot of the electricity. And we updated a lot of our heart, uh, a lot of our appliances because we realized our refrigerator would just sucking everything up. Uh, we upgrade it, and it's a lot better now. But I purchased something like this called a kilohertz a kilowatt. couple of years ago. Kilowatt. kilowatt. There you go. The kilowatt. Yep. And it was like 120 bucks, and it doesn't connect to your smart device. You just plug it into one wall, and it's one device. So something like this, which you could pick up for maybe $25 a piece or $40 a piece. Well, they're, not. Like I said, they're, they're $45 a piece right now. Um, but uh, you know, when you get up to 165 the price drops per unit quite a bit. Uh, but the kilowatt has come down a lot in price too. It's nowhere near as expensive as it used to be. Oh man, it was brutal. I I, I wonder what it is now. The kilowatt like, when it's I like got it was less than probably, fifty bucks now. Yeah, yeah, I paid over a hundred dollars. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, again, that thing it doesn't it it keeps a log, but it doesn't give you really good logging information. This can tell you if you put in how much your power actually char- how much your power company actually charges you. It'll actually tell you how much that device costs you in money um, over different durations. So I, I think it's a really cool device. I think I'm probably going to back it. I'm just not sure for what level yet. Now, the one thing people should know when backing this particular project on Indiegogo is unlike uh, Kickstarter, yeah. they are receiving all the funds, even right. if they don't reach their goal. So they have a $70,000 goal, but they don't need to reach that goal for this to go through. So with, with Indiegogo, they, they have what's called flexible funding campaigns. And uh, that means if if you pledge you're giving them that money. So when it ends, whether they've made that goal or not, they're going to get that money. Uh, you can cancel it before it ends if you want to. I like this but, a lot, actually. I might I might back it as well. I mean, I, I backed a campaign, and they, they were funded. It was a watt meter uh, mm-hmm. where the meter uh, attaches to the meter on the outside of my house, and it connects via Wi-Fi so I can see my total household power consumption. 
Yeah. Uh, but I would love to, and also to track it with APIs and stuff. But I would love to see it on an individual device level. I'd love this. I really love yeah. this a lot. This is really and like good. I said. I've always liked the idea of tracking. I, I know there have been whole house meters. You know, a lot of them have actually been out over the years. I love the idea of being able to track an individual device. And uh, hopefully, you know, what I think would be really great with this is if they come up with a way to get all this information in your computer. So instead of tracking it on your iPhone yes. or on your, your Android phone, you have it running in the, running on a computer somewhere, and it just gathers all that information on for a you. server, and it collects it all, and yeah, yes. and make it web accessible or something like that. I think that that's some that's where I'd love to be. Um, or find out how much that said server is costing you to run. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'd love to see happen. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like it's not anytime soon, or, or at least it's not in enough volume to keep it going. I know there's a company a while ago that did that. But well, we'll have a link in our show notes uh, to the to the website. But if you're uh, hearing us now, you can go to indiegogo.com/meterplug, uh, and it's called the Meter Plug, and uh, you can jump on it right now. There's still plenty of time left in the funding period. They got uh, 44 days left, and yep. again, they're they're expecting to ship these to backers in April. Very, very cool. Awesome pick, Joe. I, I love these energy-efficient picks. Nice. My uh, my pick this week is an item uh, that I needed to pick up. Now, uh, as you guys can tell, I, I did a remodel of the studio, and it's still happening. There's additions that are going to be made. Uh, we're just finally back in the space, which I'm very happy about. But upon setting up my computer in a new spot in the room, I didn't change anything. This is a weird part. I didn't really change anything, but I started getting this this level noise in my earphones, and you guys heard it last week, where uh, there's this constant buzzing. Mm-hmm. And the buzzing mm-hmm. wouldn't stop no matter what I did. And I come to find out I was having a ground loop issue. Oh, uh, what plagues internet broadcasters. Oh, God. What did I do with that box? Is it over there? John. Smash crash. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Grand loops it. are oh. just like one thing that haunts all internet broadcasters. Yes. You're you're so right. And <laughs> and and what what a ground loop is in layman's terms is you're you're basically hearing uh the computer noise coming across your line. And the cause of a ground loop is it just basically because the ground in this the particular unit, like the computer, isn't sufficient. Andrew, is that pretty much what's going on here with a ground loop? Well, it could be a number of things. I mean, it could be a bad wire that could be causing it. It could be um, I had a ground loop coming from my um, from my DBXs, my mic processors, because the it required a tip sleeve. Uh, tip sleeve, a TS cable, and I put a TRS cable, tip ring sleeve, then it stopped the ground loop because that one extra line was enough to ground it. Right. So it could be the hardware. It could be the, the actual outlet that, that's causing the ground. Yeah. Uh, it could also be a lot of times a lot of people, you know, they separate hardware. They put in different outlets. That could also cause a ground loop or 60, what is it, 60 cycle hum? The hertz, yes, yeah, 60 hertz. Yeah, you know, difference between, I, you know, keyboard, your soundboard over there, plugging into the PC, and everything's on different sockets. And yeah, different I mean, it, it's something that happens all the time because we obviously we're not in a pro environment. I've been able to eliminate my ground loops because I, I don't have any more audio cables. I'm just IP-based. All my audio is coming in via IP, and that obviously eliminates the ground loop because you're not going to be able to do it with, uh, you're not going to get a ground loop from an Ethernet cable. But this is something that's plagued, I mean, almost everybody that I know. Yeah, and it started to plague me. I never had this issue before with my previous studio setup. So uh, 
in an emergency situation, I went down to Radio Shack and I purchased myself a, a piece of hardware, and I'm going to show it off to everybody. John's going to try to here. There we go. There we go. Um, this is here's here's what it looks like from Radio Shack. This is a, a ground loop isolator, and basically you just plug this in line with the, your audio source. It's got a couple sets of RCA cables, uh, and it's got a resistor here in the middle. This thing, this thing is twenty dollars at Radio Shack. Now I know what you're saying. Stop, stop. I hear you. You're like Chase. Why did you go to Radio Shack? It's emergency measures. Okay, so we're about ready to record a show. I needed to cure this. And I did, but me being frugal, I'm going to be taking it back because I scoured the web and I went to my trusty uh, online dun, dun, website, monoprice.com. I love yes. monoprice. And we actually have an affiliate link for monoprice. And um, that picture doesn't do it justice. So I'm going to bring it back here. Here it is right here. This is uh, a four channel ground loop isolator. From Monoprice, made by uh, it's not made by them, but it's they branded packaged. it, packaged by them, made in China. Uh, but here's the best part: this this Radio Shack one, two channel. Okay, this is four channel. This is twenty dollars. This is seven dollars. Okay, cheaper than what I could find even on Amazon. Okay, so. Monoprice 4-channel, I picked up a couple of these. As you can see, this one's still in the box because I'm going to be adding in another system, another Skype machine to bring in more people for the shows. Uh, but if you have that issue, and it's, you may not, maybe you're not an audio engineer. Maybe you're not doing internet broadcasting. You could have, say, an audio home coming across your TV speakers. Uh, you put that in line with, uh, with your uh, stereo going to your TV. You can eliminate that hum. So there's many different ways of uh, eliminating it and this is a cheap way it doesn't affect the audio quality in any way um audio well, well i have to i have to kind of disagree not, with you well not for me I, it hasn't affected not, but you know what because um I, i've noticed that if you're using a mixer it doesn't tend to affect it as much uh one thing that it that i know it does affect is mid-range okay and you're able to kind of compensate with that with with a mixer but on televisions I've noticed that it totally kills the mid-range. It does. Okay. Uh, it's not always, so it depends on the system that you have. But uh, I, I, I warn people that have TVs and they're hooking it up to their stereo system, there's a possibility that it may kill your mid-range. It's not an always in every situation. Most people probably won't hear it either, but that's what I've noticed. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. But hey, for just to try it out for 7 bucks, seven and a half dollars you can get a four channel, which means you know two different sources. I Do got a couple it. behind my soundboard right now. It's phenomenal. It's it, it eliminated all the the noise. It's great. You guys don't hear it because it's working, <laughs> and it comes in a what nice noise? package. What noise? Oh God! Can I tell you how many podcasts I've done, and the return audio has an awful, awful buzz. I mean, just uh, unlistenable. How is the return audio from me, Andrew? It's actually, you know what, one of the best that I've had. Thank you. I'll be honest. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not just doing that to stroke you, no, obviously. I'll take the stroking. Uh, it, as far as return audio goes for a podcast with multiple people, it's probably uh, the best, if not one of the best, if not the best. Oh, hush. Thank you, sir. And that's all thanks also to Personas. You know, we, uh, we talked about them on the last show, but, you know, they were gracious enough to step up and become a sponsor of the, of the network. And uh, but really, you know, the ground loop isolators—they're they're king. And if you have that weird sound noise issue, 
give them a try um, and use Monoprice. Uh, save yourself the money and use our affiliate link on our website if you guys want to to save the cash. Well, that uh, that's wrapping us up for another beautiful episode, episode 224. Um, I want to say a big, big thank you uh, to Mr. Andrew, Andrew Zarian, guys from Queens at gfqlive.tv. You can follow him on Twitter at Andrew Zarian. And uh, what do you got coming up over the next couple of weeks? Are you going to be taking time off for the holidays, or what's on the schedule? What's what's on the yeah, plate? I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need some time should. off because I'm yes. losing my mind. Yeah. Um, <gasps> you know, we're just sticking to it. We're just doing our shows for the next couple of days. Uh, we're going to take the first week in January off. Well, rest. I, mean, I need some rest. I need to um, have some time for myself. Uh, I may be going to Los Angeles at the end of January, so we're going to be doing a special L.A. show for that week. Uh, a lot of stuff. I mean, we're still developing shows, and we're chugging along and uh, just hanging in there with the GFQ Network. Anything new coming down the pipe at all, or is just uh, just uh, just sticking with what you got right now? <laughs> well, it, with uh, to go with today's uh, topic of pro wrestling, I am wearing a pro wrestling shirt. Uh, we're we're going live with our pro wrestling show uh, January first. Cool. Uh, who's hosting that? Uh, I'm going to be doing it with uh, Rich Stambolian uh, from Behind the Counter. Very, com- very uh, cool. The comic book show that we have. Looking forward to that. And uh, I'm showing everybody the guysfromqueens.com website where you can check out all the previous shows. And we are, we are revamping the entire site. I forgot to mention that. Oh, really? When's that going to yeah. happen? Uh, we're going to start development uh, early January. We'll probably go live in a month or two after that. Oh, very good. A total, total rework of the entire thing. More video focused, or is that basically where it's going? Or yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird blend. I mean, you you probably have the same issue as me. You don't want it to be too much video because then it takes away from all the other content, right? Uh, so how do you represent everything on one page without it being cluttered? So we have a couple ideas, and we're just testing everything out now. Um, hopefully, we'll we'll get everything done by uh, by February. <laughs> good luck, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Joseph Falby, my my co-host over there on Minecraft Me, which, uh, by the way, we'll be doing a show this week on a Wednesday, I believe. That's our, our plan to do our... So we will have one more live show before he goes on vacation. Then we have a Christmas episode coming up as well that yep. we have to cut in some more pieces for. Yep. And, Joe, you had something you were showing off there. Well, not, not much. What's that? That's a, that's John's Nexus. Oh my it, god! It you is. stole John's. I, I, somebody had it listed on uh, on Craigslist down here in Portland. How so much was I, it? Uh, How much was it? It, uh, it was it was like five bucks. Wow! Know, wow! Um, you you got you, my Nexus for five bucks. You overpaid. Yeah. <laughs> I want. No, uh, I'll, I'll give is, you fifteen is, for it. Yeah. This is. <laughs> <laughs> this is my next my new Nexus Seven. I picked up. I I tweeted that I got an, a Kindle Fire HD eight point nine the other day. Yeah. And it's terrible. Um, so I sent that back, and I picked up a Nexus 7 instead. I got that last week. Which, which one did you? Bad. The 32 gig? The 32 gig Nexus 7, yeah. 16 gig is backordered. Okay. So, But not too bad. I mean, I've been I've been happy with it. I've been playing with it a little bit. And it's uh, it's a lot smaller than my iPad is, of course. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It's, it is much better than the Kindle Fire. So I will say that much. Cool. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at Falby, F-A-L-B-E-Y. And you can also check him out as well. On Minecraft Me on GeekGamer.tv. John Kessler, mm-hmm. our lumberjack. Yes. He's always just ducky. He <laughs> plays Eve Online, but he's not anywhere else. He does, he's not on Twitter. He's not on Facebook. He's not even on Google+. Plus. Nope. But you can find him here on our show. Mm-hmm. He's on his, email. He's on email. I mean, isn't he email. on the email? I think he's mm-hmm. on the email, isn't he? 
I think so. And you can tastefully find John. He he only comments during very key parts of the show. They're very important, right, John? John? Oh, John, yes, your yes. mic is working. Oh, okay. Yes. John, as always, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And you guys, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank all you who are hanging out in the chat room, watching us live on either geekgamer.tv or gfqlive.tv. Uh, we do the show every Sunday evening around 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 in the East. And uh, by the way, if uh, you know you want to catch any of our back catalog of episodes or if you want to check out Minecraft Me or engage in our community, which we have a huge community forum, you can always head over to geekgamer.tv. And uh, there you can find all the previous episodes that I stated, the forums. You can also, uh, if you're doing any shopping for the holiday season, use our Amazon affiliate link or Monoprice if I, you know, you want to go that route as well. And uh, if you're uh, subscribing to us on iTunes or uh, you know using your Android podcatcher, I appreciate it. I know we 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 all do, and uh, I want to say a big thank you. Um, and you can join us uh, later on in the week for some Minecraft Me action before. Uh, uh, Joe, it takes a well-deserved deserved vacation, and uh, we take some time off as well. But we'll still be popping out the episodes. Well, that's it this week. Thanks so much, you guys, for joining us. For Mr. Joseph Falby, John Kessler, our special guest, Andrew Zarian. My name is Chase Nunes. That's it. Until we all talk again, we are all silent. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Take care. Brush your hair. <laughs>